Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. The uh, thought of forgiveness, the principle of forgiveness, and we're going to try and wrestle this morning with the, the practice of forgiveness. There'll be a little bit of crossover from Julie to me, but that's okay. Uh, a provocative message for, for a provocative uh, truth. Uh, but uh, this morning we're trying to wrestle with the encouragement of uh, every one of us living in the power of forgiveness. I'm going to try and illustrate it. It's quite poignant on that moment of mentioning about denominational change for me just to share a little later of that journey for me, even in right recent times, which has included uh, necessitating running to uh, forgiveness. So uh, we're going to have a couple of verses that are very, very well known to many of you that are Christians. They come from what we know as the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, uh, more accurately, the people's prayer. And it says, Jesus said that when you pray, don't make a show of prayer. Don't be telling everybody that you pray. And we understand public prayer, but the primary expression of prayer is private. It's not public. And the reason sometimes that public prayer doesn't work is because people are not praying private. And so they spew it onto the public meeting and it doesn't work. But when people give to private prayer, when it happens publicly, it really, really works. So Jesus said that when you pray, Part of the prayer, what we know as the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our debts or our trespasses, as we also forgive our debtors, those that have trespassed against us. And then there's this little caveat at the end of the prayer that we sometimes forget about. So the amen's been said, but then Jesus said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. They are powerful powerful words somebody said this he says one preacher said that one of the primary reasons for lack of spiritual growth in confessing christians is unforgiveness see god wants us to live free and unforgiveness will bind us up it will inhibit us it will prevent us from being all that god wants us to be and so this morning I want to just share a little bit from my own heart in terms of how I try and navigate forgiveness. How, how that without deliberate intention, I'm going to try and be a little vulnerable, but without deliberate intention as a, a Christian for a long time, as a, a speaker, a pastor, a preacher for a long time, without deliberate intention of confronting the F word, I'll run to unforgiveness and not forgiveness. And the reality is, friends, I don't want to go there because if I'm ministering, leaving aside the fact of living, I want to do it free. I want to do it free. And so here's here's a little bit of how we how, how I personally uh, navigate this. And uh, I've always wanted to do not like that, <laughs> just just like that. And, so Anna says, do you want the cover leaving on? So thank you, Anna. That's all it is. And, uh, but this is our filing cabinet in the office, Christian, Phil, uh, Christine, Anne. And so post comes in, uh, internal mail that needs to be put in the box, etc. It goes in there. And uh, I, I was looking at that cabinet a few weeks ago and thought, you know, that's how I navigate my internal world. Helen was speaking about next Saturday. We encourage you to come. Uh, there's far more leadership in the room at times than we realise because it finds itself in so many contexts. But if you're going to be a good leader, 
the most difficult thing to lead is you. And so if you're going to be a good leader, you've got to lead yourself well. And so this is how it works for me. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about how I lead my internal worlds. And so um, in a moment or two, I'm going to put a word there, obviously fits in, but leaving aside Christian, Phil, Christine, I'm going down that, not in an order of importance, but how does it work? So my internal world, what's my devotions like? Uh, am, I, am, I, am I keeping a personal relationship with God? Am I reading the Bible because I want to read the Bible, not just to get a message? The trap of many preachers. Uh, do you have the right to say to me, so where are you in your devotional readings this year? And hopefully you'll get a reasonable answer for me. Where am I in my reading, my internal world? What book is on the go at the moment? I'm reading that book that uh, we gave away to everybody at the end of the, leadership, uh, of the ministry school just a few weeks ago. It's an absolute classic that's been updated a little bit. But Christian leadership by Oswald Sanders. This was a guy that used to teach missionaries that went to the China Inland Mission. Some great, great truths in that book about leadership. Uh, where, I am, where am I in my internal world? With my family, you know, um, with, with my wife, with my kids, with my grandchildren. Is it always chaos? Hopefully not, because if, if it is, then it needs addressing. Where am I with my colleague relationships? Where am I with all sorts of things in my life, my internal worlds? And of course, one of those, and I'll put it over, Phil, is where am I with my forgiveness journey? Because we'll realise today that forgiveness is not a one-off. Forgiveness is a journey. Sometimes even things that you've forgiven will try and come back to get you to a place of being unforgiving. And sometimes you have to navigate this. So where am I on my forgiveness? So that's how it works. That's all it is. There's going to be no rabbits coming out of drawers. <laughs> you know, I put my wand away. It's, that's it, you know. But that's how it works for me. I want to encourage you, every one of you on that leadership journey, your self-leadership, your self-devotion, however it works for you, But to ask yourself the question on a regular basis, maybe 10, 12 things that are working through your life that are particularly uh, uh, connected with you living well before Jesus, to ask yourself where those things are. If there needs to be some adjustment, some alignment, then do it by God's grace. Forgiveness. You see, um, God has blessed me with a reasonably good memory. Um, And... uh, in ministry, as we've said, we're on a long journey. So I have to manage that well. I'm realising that memory can be good going back somewhere in short-term memory. I must be getting on because they short-term memory is, gets worse and worse. So as we come to cup final season, I left school in 1971. I can tell you, when the cup final, it was Arsenal beat Liverpool 2-1. Charlie George from outside the penalty box, top corner. I mean, I saw it yesterday, you know. And... Uh, who won it last year? I ain't got a clue. <laughs> Actually, I did check up before the meeting. Apologies to all Chelsea fans because you beat Man U one. Honestly, I couldn't remember. But those things are in my mind. It's just how I tick, you know. And um, I've got a long memory. Um, as you can imagine, in nearly 40 years of ministry, there's been a, you know, a few sort of things at times that have challenged Sharon and me. And it has to be managed well. Otherwise, I end up trying to minister, the longer I get into ministry, less free than I ought to be. And forgiveness is vital. Now, Julie mentioned this quote last week, and forgive me for repeating it, but it's so powerful. Pastor Chris Hodges says that, that 
Carrying unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. And the spiritual toxicity of uh, unforgiveness failing in this area will only ultimately impact you, your ministry, your reach and your destiny. So here's three simple things to help us on the journey of forgiveness this morning. Firstly, forgiveness received. In Ephesians, he says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. When we read about blood in the Bible, we read about sacrifice. In the Old Testament, it was to cover sins. It was temporary. But through Jesus, he said that Jesus offered a sacrifice for sins forever and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. We can't add to that because it was perfect. So the sacrifice of Jesus, there are, there are uh, uh, liberal expressions of theology today that want to remove any reference to the blood sacrifice, saying it's, it's offensive in these days. I want to say, friends, God help us that we never move from recognising this. Helen reminded us in leading the breaking of bread this morning that it was sacrificial at heart that gave us the opportunity to find the Lord Jesus Christ. So forgiveness received. And those of you that know Ephesians, will know in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, there's a, a, an incredible expression of blessings. In fact, uh, commentators tell us that it's sort of like a breathless sentence that goes on for well over 150 words. It's almost like the writer can't get a comma in. He's just talking about the goodness of God. And he reminds us that we have been forgiven. Forgiveness received. Can you remember that day when you became a Christian? You receive forgiveness. It's all gone. If it sounds good news and if it sounds too good to be true, it's because there's nothing like it in the world. Whatever your past, whatever it was, that day when you reached out to Jesus, he said on the merits of his sacrifice that you have been forgiven. Why the blood sacrifice? Because as one preacher says, There has never been forgiveness at the expense of justice. God loved the world. He was a holy God, a just God, a pure God. He couldn't look down on sin. In fact, right at the beginning of the Bible, people were turning from him. He could barely look to watch it. And he had to implement a process of justice to satisfy the purity of his heart. And the only person that could do it was his own son, Jesus Christ, by coming to this earth, going through all the testings of temptation and trial, coming through perfect and dying for us, that we may be forgiven. I camped there this morning because at the end of the meeting, I'm going to give an opportunity to respond. And if you have never received forgiveness from God through Jesus this morning at Arena Church, on a regular basis, we determine to give opportunity for people to start that journey of responding to him. The psalmist says, Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. John writes in the New Testament that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the context of that verse is not to non-believers. It's to followers of Jesus. It's recognizing that we're still on a journey, that sometimes it can go wrong. Please hear me. That verse is there 
not so that we might just sin when we feel like it, but in case we do. It may be that you're going on a cruise for your holidays. And as you're getting on the boat, the captain's going, welcome. What's he saying? Oh, no, you can't understand it, but he's just saying some. But what they'll be saying is there are life rafts available on the boat. Now, you're not getting on that boat because you think it's going to sink. But if it does, remember those folks off the coast the other week that just went in and the thing was crashing around. I'd rather stay on the boat than get lifted off by that helicopter, let me tell you. (laughs) But in case it does, and here is an in case it happens verse, that we can keep our lives free before the Lord. And so I've heard people say, you know, that person's forgiven much and they love much. There are people around this room this morning Uh, their testimonies would be breathtaking in terms of where they've come from in God. But let me tell you, the more you get closer to Jesus, you more than realise that every one of us have been forgiven much. The best of us here, friends, was far from God. You may have had a Sunday school upbringing. You may have never robbed a bank. (coughs) You may have never done some things that other people would call sin. But every one of us was far from God. We've all been forgiven much. And by God's grace, may we love much. And so our responses to receiving forgiveness this morning. Number one, bearing in mind that your sin issue has been dealt with past, present and future. Please, let me just underscore, that's not to run to the era of hyper grace and it doesn't matter how we live. But there's every provision for all of our lives to continually live in the power of received forgiveness. You know, something's gone wrong on a Tuesday. And you turn up on Sunday and your your hands in your head. And Kev's saying, come on, let's worship the Lord. And the enemy's saying to you, you, worshipping God, look what happened Tuesday. And that's where you need to implement the verse. Because if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We don't want to be coming to church bound. We want to be coming to church free. Because freedom then washes over other people and more people get free. So let's believe it. Let's receive it into our hearts. You are called not guilty. Let's apply it by faith. And then let's live it with a passion that we might truly live free. Forgiveness received, but also secondly, forgiveness released. Colossians 3.13 says that if you have a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's echoing the words where we started in Matthew chapter 6. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, Chronicles of Narnia amongst others, Uh, And who became a believer in his later life had to navigate some real issues. Uh, He said that everybody thinks forgiveness is a great idea until they've got to do it. Well, it's true. But I want to encourage you this morning, friends, not only to receive forgiveness, but to release it. I want to tread very carefully here. I don't want want you to hear me as being flippant or, or light or trite. We have a little bit of a humor along the way but I really want to tread carefully over the next few minutes because around this room it's inevitable that every one of us at times have been on the end of pain and some perhaps more than others and I want to encourage you this morning to 
keep the forgiveness drawer close because you see with me I've got a stack of cards here that go back a long way and in my carnality at times I want to open the drawer and when the drawer comes open it's not forgiveness anymore it's unforgiveness that person that because everybody thinks forgiveness is a great idea until they've got to do it and I want to encourage you this morning to keep the drawer tight and close and live in the power of forgiveness now then let me just talk a little bit about why we don't forgive number one we may not see the need to please hear me this morning I'm going to use the word deliberately it may be that you are ignorant please don't be offended by that word but ignorant of the need for forgiveness I want to tell you that as you go on a journey of becoming more like Jesus, it's inevitable that he's going to challenge you, me, in this area. Number two, you don't want to. I understand that. That in your carnality, it's what the Bible calls the old life, you feel that you are better holding on to unforgiveness. You like it. You like chewing over it. It makes you feel good in your old life. There is no way you're going to forgive that person. But ultimately, it's killing you and nobody else. And number three, it seems unfair. Someone says, we'll never have to forgive more than God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ. And Daniel's going to put a slide up and it tells us here of, what forgiveness is not forgiveness please hear this this morning is not approving or diminishing sin I I could camp here of course on every point I'm just going to run through them in the context of this morning forgiveness is not denying wrongdoing forgiveness is not being in denial about wrong towards you and somebody saying well it doesn't matter it does matter it does matter forgiveness is not forgetting let me just Read a couple of quotes to you. Uh, In the thought of forgiveness not being in denial about you, let me quote from a, a prisoner that's on death row in Connecticut in the United States. He committed an heinous crime, uh, but whilst he's been in prison, he's become a Jesus follower. How many of you know that folks are getting saved in prisons in the desperate needs? They've got plenty of time to read. These guys get stuck into books, they read the Bible, and there's a real discipleship journey happening. Right across the earth, friends, some tremendous things happening in prisons. And this particular prisoner said this. He says, forgiveness is not condoning. It doesn't mean that the past was uh, uh, okay. You were hurt. It was painful and it affected your life. Forgiveness doesn't minimize the past. Listen, this is from a prisoner on death row. Forgiveness doesn't minimize the past Rather, it minimizes the power of a painful past on your future. And somehow, Helen, in that man's terrible situation, he's found hope, even though he's still got the death sentence over him. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Someone says time is not a healer. Forgiveness is. Oh, in time, it'll go away. It won't if you don't forgive. It won't. It really won't. And here's the death row prisoner again, trying to navigate forgiveness with his mother. He says, forgiveness is not forgetting, and to teach so is not valuable. Not to forget the past, but to learn from it. And so try to take you and others forward with help and blessing. 
Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. I'll come back to that in a moment. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to trust somebody who worked against you. And forgiveness is not necessarily personal reconciliation. It may be impossible. The person may be dead. There are certain people, let me be honest, friends, who I've forgiven. They're not on my Christmas card list. They're not getting one. And I like sending Christmas cards. I'm, I'm weird, but I'm a bloke, but I do. I like, you know, Sharon will tell you. I send more Christmas cards than Sharon. Yeah. It's a gift. If I get a Christmas card saying, Phil, bless you, thinking about you, praying for you, I, that's 100 quid to me, you know. Brilliant. So I try and replicate it. So, so all of these things, you've got to navigate in your heart, but you've got to come to a place of releasing forgiveness. I think Julie touched on this last week, but let me just use this quote. You can make the right decision without necessarily the right feeling. If you're waiting for the right feeling, ooh, ooh, just need Kev to play them chords again, then I'll feel right. You know. Well, you've not got him as a personal minstrel all week. You've got to step into situations, you don't feel anything, but you know it's the right decision. You give it over to the Lord. Release forgiveness. And then finally, forgiveness renewing. <clears throat> In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse... Go on to the next slide, Daniel. Ephesians 4... He says, forgiving one another. There's a lot of encouragements in the New Testament that are what we call the continuous tense. So be filled with the Spirit is the continuous tense. It's not be filled with the Spirit 30 years ago. It's be being filled with the Spirit on this May morning in 2019. Forgiving one another. It's continuous tense. So I I can put my feet up and say, oh God, I've, I've done good on the forgiveness and then I realise something can rise in me at times. Says God, and God said to me, "This is an ongoing journey for you, Phil. You know, it's an ongoing journey for you to continue to let forgiveness flow in your internal world." So, forgiving one another, unforgiveness combined a life. We've talked about that. Unforgiveness combined a church. You walk into some churches, think there's something wrong. There's something wrong about a church, atmospherically. You know, I've been in context, and it's gone back 50 years to one of the old convention tees. A convention, I'll explain to you, was when everybody spent all of the bank holiday in church and then went back to work on Tuesday and said they had a great time. And, uh, <laughs> and so there used to be teas and dinners, and somebody, Sister so-and-so, put the lettuce the wrong way, and Sister so-and-so that were leading the teas decided to go... But then they pass it on to the daughter, passes it on to the granddaughter, pass it on to the... And all of a sudden you walk into the church 50, 60 years later and nobody's ever put it right. And they want revival to come. It's not happening. It's not happening. So it combined a church, it combined a community. We pray for our Mansfield people this morning. In 1984, 85, there was the minor strike. I won't go there this morning. Be careful what I say. But the reality was that I'll use very generalised terms. The Knots miners went to work and everybody else went on strike. And you know what happened? There were mayhem. Absolute mayhem. But in Mansfield, a great epicentre of North Nottinghamshire coal mining, there are dads that have gone to their grave that have never put it right with their sons. 
because one went to work and one didn't. There are brothers that still cross the road and have never spoken to each other for 35 years because one went to work and one didn't. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness combined a nation. You may have seen that recent congress in Rwanda 20 years ago. There was a terrible, terrible outbreak of civil unrest between the Hutsis and the Tutus and thousands of thousands of people that used to live side by side with each other took terrible action. And they're trying to find forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let me give you a couple of examples of forgiveness renewing. So this is a Zimbabwean school teacher that works in north of England. And whilst he was uh, doing his class, somebody stabbed him. And it got to national press. And here he is, his statement, not mine, on the courts of Leeds Crown Court when the young man had been sentenced for the attack. He says, as a Christian, I have forgiven the boy who inflicted this trauma on me and my family. Our prayer is that with help given to him, he will become a changed person and make a more positive contribution to society. Everybody thinks forgiveness is a good idea. So you've got to do it. Let me talk about my Alison for a few moments and I'll be very, very careful because this can go to places so I'm not going to use names. But our Alison's got a super friend uh, in the church that they worship in, in Nottingham. And Alison was telling us about her friend's brother. And about four or five years ago, they had a pregnancy, everything was going well and then there was a terrible crisis at the delivery and so now these Christian parents have a, a severely disabled little boy. I've been in awe as I've listened to Alison uh, talking about how they've handled it without rancour. And uh, they live in another part of the country. But there was a fateful day about nine months after the little boy had been born when mum and dad went to see the midwife that was involved and forgave. And many tears flowed. Let me tell you about our... Miriam. Miriam lived in Australia for six years, as some of you know. And uh, she had some tremendous friends. Uh, four of them used to share a flat in the suburbs of Melbourne. We're not going to neighbours, OK? But, uh, and um, they were just stellar Premier League friends, incredible. And, and sort of mid-late 20s, sort of get married. So one of her friends got married. And uh, she married a guy that uh, played uh, Australian rules football, uh, semi-professional. If any of you have been to the state of Victoria in Australia, you'll know that Aussie rules is just, it's just incredible. It's massive. I mean, tens of thousands of people. And uh, I won't go through all the intricate rules of Australian rules football. We don't have time. You can get it on, uh, on channels now to watch it. A very fast-moving game. But basically, it's a big oval pitch with 18 people. And the ball is like a rugby ball. It gets punted into the air. And you, you can catch it. It's what's called a mark. You'll hear the referee's whistle go. Sometimes they'll knock it on very, very quickly, but sometimes they'll catch it and they've got opportunity to put the ball between the goalposts, so they'll take their time. This guy's playing one Saturday afternoon at a high level, just below, just below National League level, been married six months. He catches the ball, referee's whistle goes, but this guy comes careering into him about three seconds later. And by a freak set of circumstances, there was a collapse at the rear of his brain and by the time he hit the ground, he was dead. And six months later, that newlywed wife went with her mum to the guy that had charged him late and forgave him. 
Everybody thinks forgiveness is a great idea until you have to do it. Forgiveness released. In our Bible school, this is forgiveness renewing. In our Bible school, I was merrily preaching, uh, teaching along one day. We had a super time. I encourage you to hook up for the uh, ministry school next year um, because we just had a brilliant time. Great finish. And one day I'm just sort of teaching and also one of the, one of the people, one of the guys in the, in the uh, class says, Phil, what about 1 John 2, 27? And I went there. <laughs> oh. Because it says there about anointing that you don't need anybody to teach you. And so I go back to a, being a young pastor in Oxford, visiting a guy that was dying. I won't mention names again. Suffice to say, it's been an absolute pain in the neck all the journey of being in the church. There's nobody like that in arena, but there was in Oxford. <clears throat> I went to see him. Please, don't make excuses. He wasn't hallucinating under drugs. He was very lucid. I thought he'd take the opportunity to say to me, you know what, Phil, I know I've been a bit of a pain, but I'm sorry. You know, I know my life's ebbing away. And by ebbing away, I mean ebbing away, very close to death. And I'm sorry. He killed me. He absolutely killed me. I won't tell you some of the things he said, but he quoted 1 John 2, 2, 27. He says, it's all right, you preaching, teaching. He says, we don't need teachers in the church. He quoted this verse. How many of you know that the enemy can take verses out of context to kill us? Context is vital. I saw this young pastor drives down Marston Road in Oxford with a towel between his legs thinking, well, maybe he's right. Maybe I'm wasting my time. Maybe we don't need teachers in the church. Come and talk to me about 1 John 2, 27. I'll give you the answer afterwards. But here I am in a ministry school 35 years later. 30 years later. Somebody asked me a question. I felt the pain. On October the 14th, 2016, I close. As part of the national leadership team of Summers God, we made a decision. It was a decision that affected a person... And it meant that a person wasn't going to continue in a lead role at the Bible college. I can only say, friends, please forgive the language, that all hell broke loose. And for six months, I never slept through a night. I didn't want to eat. I wrenched over the sink every morning. It was incredible, the pressure that came. And uh, here we are two and a half years later. And uh, Assemblies of God remained intact. Uh, we can hand it over to Pastor Glyn Barrett this week, reasonably intact. Uh, but it's took two and a half years to work through. Um, you think that every pastor walks two foot off the ground and river dancers. I want to tell you, some of them have something to say at times and they don't always communicate it particularly well. Uh, and I won't go there. Suffice to say that some of them are in the drawer. And it's shut tight today. And this morning, about seven o'clock, as I was getting ready for the ministry, forgiven, 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 forgiven. That's the power of forgiveness. Thank you. That's the power of forgiveness. Sharon warmly, she says, don't say too much. I think you've got it. And somebody says, the glory of Christianity is to conquer by forgiveness. We've been accused in this church at times of being light and trite and 
not ministering and all we bother about this, that and the other. It's not true. In fact, I uh, affirm the I lead pastor Christian and the senior leadership team for genuinely trying to wrestle at times with some tough issues. And then, of course, somebody's got to preach them. And so thank you for Julie last week sort of opening this up, the principle of forgiveness. And this morning, albeit falteringly, I've just tried to release a little bit of the practice of forgiveness and to say that you can't say to me this morning, well, it's all right for you because I've been on exactly the same journey as you. I've been a Christian a long time. I've been a pastor 40 years this August. And so I've got to keep thanking God for receiving forgiveness. I've got to keep thanking God for releasing forgiveness. And I've got to keep thanking God that he'll help me to not do that, but do that and renew forgiveness. I want to tell you, friends, that if you'll do that, if you'll do that, you will live free and this church and the christian church around the world won't be marked by rancor won't be marked by revenge it'll be marked by the spirit of jesus and the spirit of jesus is a forgiving one let's pray